Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country with a pedal to the metal with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Well, there you have it, another great introduction. It's almost like it's tape, isn't it? Crazy. Yeah, you guys don't hear that. You don't hear what goes over the radio. All right, so today we've got a lot going on, so we're going we're gonna to rush on, and uh, we'll get started just right away, right away. All right, so this is a little quiz for the live audience and for the radio audience. Um, refrigerators are supposed to be – freezers are supposed to be really cold, frozen, right? Ovens are supposed to be – right? The desert is supposed to be – Dry and very, very hot, usually, yeah, in the middle. But there are some cold places in the desert, right? High desert, Sierra, you know, out in Vegas. You mess around at night, yeah, that's right, Santa Fe. I've traveled through Santa Fe uh, from 82 degrees, same day, same trip, 82 degrees, to four feet of snow on the ground as you get up. And Campbell, I think, Campbell, Arizona, was in Campbell, uh and it was super hot during the day and six degrees at nighttime. They're on a plateau there. It was really something, really something to see. So places where we're accustomed to being hot should be hot, and places that are accustomed to being chilly or cold should be cold. So pruning. Hell is hot, and that's the way it's supposed to be. Hell is supposed to be hot, and that's why we call it hell. But pruning is a tough thing. A lot of people, a lot of people struggle with pruning. Um, I'm a person that I really, I resist being pruned. I'll be honest, I resist being pruned. Um, we'll talk more about how I'm defining pruning. But pruning because hell is hot, and we, we need to be pruned by the master gardener, the vine dresser. We need to be pruned by God because hell is hot. A lot of pastors these days don't use that term hell. They don't talk about hell anymore. They don't talk about the final judgment. But you know, hell is hot because that's the way it was designed to be. A lot of people say, I'll be partying in hell with you. You know, I grew up in, in uh, Sussex County, Delaware with Dewey Beach and uh, Bethany Beach and Hoax Beach. and The party was canceled because of the fire, big fire. So, but I grew up there and uh, down in the resort area, and you know everybody parties. That's the word everybody uses, partying. And you'd often hear, "Well, I guess we'll be partying in hell together." There'll be no partying in hell. People people make a joke of something that is permanent, permanent torture, permanent suffering. Then the comeback always is, 
well, my God, you tell people about hell, you say, man, that's not a party place. You shouldn't really joke about it. And they say, well, I don't know. I don't believe in a God that would force people to go somewhere like that. Oh, no, no. God doesn't force anybody to go there. Hey, buddy. Good to see you, man. That boy bounces back from surgery faster than anything I've ever seen. Prayed for you. So uh, good, to, good to have you. So who likes to be pruned? I already admitted I don't like to be pruned, but who likes to be pruned? Show of hands here. Right? It's like diversity. Everybody's room full of liars. Yeah. Next week, I'm preaching online. It's a sermon series I'm doing. Yeah, nobody likes to be pruned. No hands ever usually go up except for the jokesters. So I'm going to I'm going to buzz in with who does. None, Alex. None of us. The answer is none of us, Alex Trebek. None of us like it. None of us like to be oh, Wait, I didn't frame that. Uh what is none of us? Who is none of us? You know, you don't get credit on Alex that show, the Alex Trebek, you got to frame your answer in the form of a question. But none of us like to be pruned yet some Wonderful flowers, trees, or beautiful bushes, they will most assuredly die if you don't prune them. They will die. And not just if you don't prune them, but if you don't prune them at exactly the right time, just the right time, in just the right way with the right tool. can't use a screwdriver to prune fancy rose bushes. You can't use an axe to prune delicate flowers. Pruning, look, it's got to be done with the right tool. That's why all your roses die. Boy, you got your money's worth tonight, didn't you? But pruning, it, it's not just a, a good idea. It's you got to do it. It's got you got to do it, or, or stuff will die. Now, I mentioned roses. You mentioned roses. Pruning is essential to life, and roses are especially subject to that. Uh, we all love roses, but you, you you have to know what you're doing when you're pruning roses. You can't mess around and do it wrong. And especially if the roses you're pruning are champion roses. Now, when I was in the military. I owned a little business, and it was called Greener Lawns and Landscapes. My jingle was, let us make your lawn a greener lawn today. Right? Pretty good, right? I'm going to use this name. Oh, heck yeah, I did. Yeah. I sang it. Sure, why not? Yeah. No, no, no. I sold it. I sold it. We made it all right. Some of the roses I pruned were champion roses now. They were seriously championship roses. They were world record winners, and, and one fella had 80 rose bushes and he wanted me he couldn't do it anymore he said look i can't do it anymore I'm, but i take these roses we compete we we compete and we win these international competitions i said man i'm just a navy guy man I'm 20 years old are you out of your mind he goes no you look like you know what you're doing well i didn't know what i was doing so what do you think i did right we went to the library we had a little trip to the library good thing i had a library card too bad there wasn't a sale i'd have got me a bag of books for a dollar well, what happens is, is uh, well, he told me, he, he did tell me, he said some of the roses are over 100 years old. The bush has been producing for over 100 years. So I read a book or two or five before I ever got out the shears. I said, let me, let me just study up on this. And I can tell you, I most assuredly studied those rose pruning books as though my life depended on it. I was serious business. Now, I did that before pruning. I did it during pruning. I had the books right there with me just to make sure. And I even studied up after the pruning. I wanted to make sure that I was going to make the right cuts. I wanted to make sure I was making the right cuts, and I wanted to make sure I made the right cuts. But when you think of pruning, what do you think of? 
do you think of only of cutting away, of trimming away, of trimming off, cutting away, discarding, throwing away? I'm going to snip this and I'm throwing it away. I did too. I did too. I really did. We're about uh, talking about John uh, 15, 1 through 7. Um, I'm going to read two different uh, translations, and you'll see the reason why I do that. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Takes away. Does not bear fruit, takes away. Now, I want to go back real quick. I think I go to eight on this. I think I give you one free. Uh, in John 15, in this passage, one through eight, who who is our Lord talking to? In this particular passage, who is he speaking with? His Talmudim, his disciples, his followers, his true believers, the followers of the way, the first followers of the way, happened to be in that room right then, right there. Wow. Boy, that sheds some light, right? He's talking to them. They have a mission they really don't even understand yet. When I was stupider, notice I didn't say stupid. See, I've gotten at least smart enough to know, well, you're not done being stupid. So when I was stupider than I am now, when, and growing up where I grew up, you'd be, you'd, if you were a country person, you'd be more stupider. Well, when I was stupider, I have to tell you, I used to think, I used to get mad at the disciples all the time. I used to get mad at them all the time. I said, man, how could they not know? They were with the man three years. How could they not know who he was and what he was? I did. I used to say that. Show of hands, how many in the room? Still every now and then wonder, man, how could they miss it? How could they miss it? Yeah, we're being honest. I'm being honest. I still do. I know a little bit more than I did when I was a kid, but I still say that. How did they miss it? But then I look at my own life, and I see the miracles that he's done in my own life, and I say to myself, my lands, I've missed it. Right? We're in a rowboat. We're rowing in circles. Rowing in circles. His disciples were there with him. He was talking to them. Let me just read this for you right quick. I am the real vine, and my father is the gardener. That might be important. Every branch which is part of me but fails to bear fruit, he cuts off. Welcome to chat, by the way. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. Right now, because of, that might be important, the word which I have spoken to you, you are pruned. Stay united with me, as I will with you, for just as the branch can't put forth fruit by itself apart from the vine, so you can't bear fruit apart from me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who stay united with me and I with them are the ones who bear much fruit, because apart from me, you can't do a thing unless a person remains. United with me, he is thrown away like a branch and dries up. Such branches are gathered and thrown into the fire where they are burned up. If you remain united with me and my words with you. Now, let me say this. In other words, I'm going to interrupt myself to interrupt myself. Here's, here's what that means. If you remain united with me and my words with you, what this means is we abide with him and in him through his word, studying his word, praying through his word, living his word, failing and falling forward. 
and we fall down and we get back up. Process he's talking about, remaining united with me and my words with you. Then ask whatever you want and it will happen for you. This is how my Father is glorified in your bearing much fruit. This is how you will prove to be my Talmudim. Wow, he is talking to his Talmudim, his disciples, his emissaries, his followers of the way. He is, capital W, the way. And they're there in this room, and stuff is about to really go crazy, and he's explaining to them, this is how it's going to happen, folks. But he's only talking to that room. This is where we get messed up. We get messed up. We say, well, I'm going to apply this passage to my own life and where I live and how I live, and I think, you know, it has probably a lot of good application. Now, probably it does. There's a lot of principles and stuff, but it's very important to understand the context, the worldview, the what was happening in that place in that time, because that's who Yeshua was talking to. He wasn't talking to me. He wasn't talking to you. He wasn't talking to last week, first time, I think, we had New Zealand. I think that's the first time. I don't know if I've ever mentioned New Zealand, so it's pretty cool to have somebody from New Zealand. He wasn't even talking to New Zealand, even though New Zealand, I don't think there's a more beautiful country. Just a stunning, breathtaking country. Talking to these men. He was preparing them for something no one could explain to them. No one could describe it. I have a lot of, you know, I think I'm something, you know. I've got the Internet, and I've got all kinds of electric devices. I've got four different electric devices up here, electronic devices. I mean, I'm, I'm on the Internet over a thing that doesn't have a wire in it, and I've got a thing here that doesn't have a wire in it that I'm reading off of, and then I've got another thing over here that links me to the broadcast station, and then I've got another thing that has me with chat. My goodness. So many things. I think I'm something. I think I know, but I don't know. He was talking to these people. Because they didn't know. They knew the context where they lived. It was a crazy time there. Excuse me. We like to think that in Bible times, well, in Bible times, we say that a lot. We always, you always hear, you ever hear somebody say that? And they always portray it as the woman Bible times, and it's then it's followed up with some, some uh, beautiful, uh, floaty, butterflies on every flower, you know, everything like that. And, you know, they always describe it. It was tough times. Man, oh, man, these people were under oppression. Somehow or another, we always recreate history. We revise history. We revise history. But one thing we can't do, we can't go back. We can't say that he was talking to us. He was talking to these men. They were about to face something really challenging. But he says to them this really powerful thing. This is how my Father is glorified in your bearing much fruit. This is how you will prove to be my Talmudim. Now, shirts and skins. Anybody ever play? You've got a bunch of school teachers here, right? Play shirts and skins, or, you know, will you guys wear the yellow pennies, you wear the red pennies, and this is what team you're on, this is what team you're on. We have uniforms for ball teams. We have uniforms for uh, military, except for ISIS. Uh, we have uniforms for just about everything. You go to a restaurant, you go into McDonald's, you can look at the uniform and say, well, that's a McDonald's person. You go to Applebee's, God help you, I don't know why you do that, but you go there to Applebee's and ugh, so much salt. They kill me with the salt. Um, the salt, I'm telling you, it's going to kill me. So uh, you go to Applebee's and you see they have a uniform. You go to a lot of different places. You get a lot of different places. Cracker Barrel. You go to there. Now that, that'll kill you, but you'll die happy. Woo-hoo, isn't that the truth? Get you some fried chicken up in there. 
Uh-huh. Some butter corn, some mashed taters, some gravy. Mm. That's God's eating right there. They do have Weight Watchers in there. So, so, so it says here, this is just what the Lord is saying. I mean, you don't have to take it too seriously if you don't want to. I think I will. This is how my Father is glorified. Showing fruit. Bearing fruit. But it's not his fruit. He's already born the fruit. Yeshua had already born the fruit. Yeshua already was bearing fruit. He was he was everything. He did everything right. He did everything right. He produced. It was the people in the room he was talking to. You're bearing fruit. You've got to bear not just fruit, but what's it say? It says much fruit. We'll talk more about that in a second. This is how you're going to prove to be my Talmudim. This is how you're going to be proved, proved to be my emissaries. This is how you're going to prove to be my people. Now, I think it's important for us to examine the English Standard Version of Scripture in this case. I like to show you two different ways. Uh, I, I just like this. I really, really like this. There's some passages that in different translations are just put so beautifully. And the uh, pericope, that's the, that's the uh, bold little heading. The pericope is, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Remember this word, airo. Airo, that's Greek. Every wood come from Greek. Remember that movie, that fella? Man, he was proud to be Greek, wasn't he? My big fat Greek wedding. Every word in the American dictionary comes from Greek. And then he would go through a different word. You know he's making all that stuff up. But he was proud. That's that's what's important. Airo takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Now, hold on. Let me go back. That does pr- It's bearing fruit, and yet it's getting pruned. Man, I missed that a bunch of times. I don't know, 30, 40, 50 years. I missed that. It's bearing fruit, and yet he prunes it. Prunes. Katairo. Katairo. It's also Greek. Prunes. Katairo. That may bear, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide. In me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. The branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, I want to go back real quick and give us a modern-day uh, example of of this this uh, picture that he gives us. It's a real-life thing. Thrown away like a branch and withers. You know, when you cut branches and you just throw them off to the side, what are they going to do? They're going to, without that sap that comes through, that water that comes through, they're going to die. They need that root. They need that root. They have to have it. Or they die, and the first thing they start to do is dry up. They dry up, and then what happens to dried underbrush, right? It falls away, and then it becomes very flammable. 
you know, that's why in all the, the state-controlled and federally controlled lands, why we have so many of these big forest fires, because they made it illegal for people to go through and care for the underbrush, to take the underbrush. What's the first thing the professional firefighters do? They get the bulldozers out, and, you know, fire is 100 yards away, and they start pushing that underbrush, drawing that underbrush, trying to get it out of the way. Boy, what, what, will, we, what will we prevent if we actually did it the smart way and gathered it up and let people use that to burn? But they gather it and they throw it away and throw it in the fire, and it burns, and it burns fast. Now, the Jewish – I want to talk about fruit for a second here. The Jewish New Testament commentary, fruit, it's what grows naturally out of a plant or a situation. Galatians 5, 22, 23, it refers to character qualities given by the Holy Spirit. Those are your fruits, fruits of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 13, 1 through 23, great reading, great reading. Perhaps to other people who trust Yeshua, even at Romans 6, 21 through 22, it's referring to righteousness. Your fruit is your righteousness. Now here, I, I want to, I like this right here. I like, I, just, it stuck out to me. It just stuck out to me, and I said to myself, self, because that's what I call myself when I talk to me, um, you're going to really enjoy this. He prunes. He says he prunes, and I like word studies. There's a lot of people out there doing word studies. I'm not the only one. Um, probably the worst one, but I'm not the only one. The Greek word means literally cleans. Prunes in this literally means cleans. To clean of excess foliage is to prune. But the context also calls to mind cleansing from sin. Everybody wants and feels a responsibility to produce fruit in their life. Isn't that true? Good fruit. You want to bear good fruit. Everybody wants to bear good fruit. You have a, a immense garden. Your garden, you and Steve's garden, is amazing. We get the benefit every week of all the great stuff, the fresh, you know, grown stuff. And we eat it up, and, and, and boy, that's so awesome. But if you have a garden, you did all that work that goes into the garden and part of it, the tending to it, all of a sudden you go out there one day and everything's dried up. Everything's kind of withered away. Would you go, eh, whatever, no biggie. Yeah, I, I I bought all the seeds and did all that stuff and the little baby plants, and I planted, I watered it, I fertilized it, I did all the stuff you're supposed to do. I did everything, but you know what? It just didn't make it. Didn't make it no big deal. No. Well, you look at your kids, people that have children. You say, you look at your kids and you say, man, I'm proud of my kids, and I am proud of my kids. I love I love both my children. And I look at my kids and I think, man, I'm a lucky man. I'm a really lucky man. But, you know, you ever think about um, – People whose kids you ever you ever know somebody. I know some people personally who raised two or three children, and one of and the ninety uh, percent of the kids are great. They're amazing. They're wonderful. But then they had that one. They had that one. That one always got into trouble. That one always pushed against authority. That one ended up getting in worse and worse trouble. Till eventually, that one did a real bad thing. Got caught. And everybody knew, and everybody looked and said, in the neighborhood, they said, hey, you know, raised all the kids the same way, but what happened to that one? Boy, that was kind of a rotten apple. Right? We say that a lot. Rotten apple. Boy, it was a rotten apple in the barrel. 
everybody feels a responsibility, though, for your own life and your own life, how you live in your life. Everybody feels a responsibility to produce good fruit in your life, and then there's a sense of responsibility and pressure to produce it in your children if you have them or your neighbors or friends, whatever you do. You know, the big thing here is we don't talk about this much. We all worry about how we do it. We all worry about, all of us run around worrying about, how am I going to produce good fruit? How do I do that? How do I produce good fruit in my life? The, the original Greek word for takeaway, as I said, is aero, which means to raise from the ground or lift up like a vine dresser would do to care for a plant. Man, that's not our perception, is it? Take it up. Take it away. We're going to take it away. We think immediately, I'm, I'm, when I say we, I mean me. All of y'all might be better Bible scholars than me, probably are. But I'm saying, in this case, I always thought, cut it away. Take it away means take it somewhere else. Take it, disconnect it from the, from the branch. Disconnect the branch. Disconnect it from the root. Whatever you got to do, cut it away and get it out of there. Just take it away. But that's not what it is. It's not our perception at all. We, our perception is, is discard. We've got to get, it, get rid of it. We think to prune and take away is to throw away. A person has some kind of sin, they have a hurt habit or hang up, throw them away. That's what we do. That's what we do. We're hearing an awful lot about that in the news today, aren't we? We're going to hear more about it tonight around 9 o'clock on National Broadcast News. We're going to hear more about that. We're going to hear more about casting people away. Boy, you sin. Got to go. We cut them off. We cut them out. We discard them. People do that to us, too. Have you ever been in that situation? You messed up? You messed up maybe pretty bad, messed up pretty bad, and boy, some folks cut you loose like a, I never did see, I know this makes people crazy for me to say this, but I never saw, Star Wars is the one with the thing, that whatever you call that thing, the light, yeah, lightsaber, cuts everything, I need me one of those, man, I can't believe I haven't seen that, because I, I need one that really does cut like that, because you don't like weapons, but somebody took a lightsaber, you know, to you, you know, you made, you made a big mistake and all your friends said, oh, that's it. They didn't even ask you if it was true. Is it true? What happened? They just, all of a sudden you see people falling away. Oh, nope, nope, nope. Let me cut away from this right quick. I can't, can't be associated. I got to go. I got to go. Modern day church. I told a story in this church about something I experienced when I was a kid. I won't tell it again because it makes me cry every single time. I was a young kid at the time. And it was a, it was a, you know, a King James authorized version church. It was, you know, you had to look a certain way. Everything had to be right. You better look the part, better sound the part. Lady came in. She obviously, she obviously had been through the ringer. And she came in. She, her knees were a little bit skinned up. And my goodness, she was dressed kind of, well, it's the way everybody dresses. All the girls dress nowadays like prostitutes, but Back then, boy, oh, boy, you walk in a church like the church I grew up in, dressed like she was, and you really, a lot of people stared. And the wives would elbow the husband, don't stare too long, buddy. You know, it was really something. People were rude and ignorant to her. She left out of that church, and she got hit by a car, and she died. Man, I wonder. Breaks my heart. Breaks my heart. I wish I was bolder as a little kid. I wish I'd have gone up to her and asked her if she knew Jesus. Or what she needed. Did she need some tendons to her skin and knees? I wish I did. But you know what? They pruned her away. They cut her away. They didn't do it like it says here in the scripture, Aira. No, they didn't do that. 
They didn't they'd take away. They didn't do any of that. They didn't take her side and say, hey, let's clean up your wounds, friend, child of God. No, they took her, cut her away. They threw her off like a stick, like a branch. She didn't even get much time to dry up before she got hit by a car and died. That's what we do, folks. We, we prune and we take away, we throw away. person has sin. Then we're mad. We can't understand it when, when we are the one that sins. Why people do that to us. We can't understand it, but we did it over and over and over. The uh, the New Testament Greek uh, lexicon, aero, primary root word. Uh, it's transliterated uh, a little bit, but um, it, it's aero. We'll go with that one. The definition is to raise up, elevate, lift up, to raise from the ground, take up, to raise upwards, to lift up, to hand or draw up. To take upon oneself and carry what has been raised up to bear. I thought about that lady. I thought, oh, man. What if those same men that were poking fun at this poor woman walked in there? What kind of life, how far your life has to go before you you walk into a church and you, you just want them to welcome you? Skin, knees, skirt way too short, top way too small and way too tight. But she walked in, and she walked into that church with a need. And because we all thought, I put myself in there. I was old enough to know. I was just a little kid, but I was old enough to know. I was, I was a thinking little kid. I mean, I I was old enough to know I, there's somebody needs to do something to help this lady. But instead, people people started cutting her away, taking her away, throwing her away. They didn't lift her up. They didn't take upon themselves and carry. Man, what, what if we just carried her just a little bit? Carry her down to the to the kitchen. We had a nice kitchen. Do all nice meals and stuff, you know, for church functions. Take her down there and get a towel and, and clean her wounds. She was dirty too. She was she had dirt on her face. You know, obviously she something bad had happened with this woman. You don't just walk into a church. Nobody did. To bear away what has been raised, carry off, move from its place, to take away, to take off or away what is attached to anything, to remove. Man, there's a lot of good definitions here. But then the verse goes on, because we'll be here all night. No, we won't. There's a debate later. I'll be live tweeting at the Ninja Pastor. Follow me at the Ninja Pastor. You will not believe some of the stuff that comes out of my keyboard. Then the verse goes on to include pruning, even if you produce. I'm telling you, when I read this, you could have knocked me over with a feather. You could pretty much knock me over with a feather if I close my eyes anyway, because I fall over when I'm standing up. But the point is, I was blown away. And I was blown away. I couldn't believe it. I said, how in the world did I miss this all my life? Since five years old, I became a Christian, a follower of the way at five years old. In the kitchen, I was just in my mother's kitchen. And I sat right in the chair that I sat in when my mother led me to Christ at five years old in that little old kitchen, old country kitchen. I missed it all these times. I've read the Bible. I've quoted entire books of the Bible. I've won sword drills. Did all that stuff before my crash. I knew all that stuff, man, but I missed this. Even if you produce, you're going to get pruned. Even some folks say, man, I've been working for the Lord. I've been doing all this stuff, and he keeps working on me and cutting on me. I'm doing everything right. You still get pruned. You still get pruned, even if you produce. We don't ever want to be pruned. We produce a dear little bit of fruit. This is me. I'm going to confess to you, this is me. This might be Sean Confession Day. 
we don't ever want to be pruned. And then when we produce just this little tiny bit, you know, I'm thinking of these little, any of you who ever went to elementary school, I'm sure all of you did. Some of you skipped over six or seven grades. So smart. We produce a dear little bit of fruit, and then we want to stop working. You know the kind of little tiny fruit? We produce not even enough fruit to fill. You know those little uh, styrofoam cups, little tiny things you get when you're in elementary school? Little tiny cups is that's what your fruit cup, they call it, your fruit cup. And we produce not even enough to fill one of those little fruit cups. Oh, that's it. I'm done. Did my work. I'm, reti- I'm on the retirement road now, man. Tiny bit of fruit, and we spiritually retire for the rest of our lives. We say, I did this or that. We rest on that. I'd preach a sermon. You can find it on theninjapastor.com or drshawngreener.com uh, called, um, what is that? Dead dog. Is it, what is it? Uh, hunting deadlines. It's from a scripture. Hunting deadlines. I do, and I talk about that, how you had that one good thing. And you live on it. You remember the quarterbacks, they're all heavy now. They can't barely walk. They're, they're out of high school, I don't know, four or five years, you know. They don't even look anything like they did in high school. And then you go to the next reunions, 20-year reunion, they're even bigger. But they're still talking about that pass they made in high school. Man, that's the greatest thing ever. They haven't even lived their life. They haven't, they haven't, they haven't tried. They haven't pruned themselves. They haven't, they haven't worked at something. And then there's that flip side. But they live on that one good thing they did, that one good thing. They don't even try to do another thing right because why? What if I can't do another thing good? It's like the painters. You know, I know a bunch of painters now that I'm involved in the whole art thing with photography now, and they say, I'm half afraid to, to start painting again because, my goodness, what if I can't do it? What if I can't do as good a work as that thing? I remember when I used to paint and draw, I used to say that to myself all the time. Lord, what if I can't do it? What if this was a fluke? What if I got lucky? So you live off that one thing you show. Everybody that one painting. Oh, look what I did. I'm an artist. Right? We have an artist in the room. You didn't stop at one. You kept painting. But then there's that flip side. Hunting dead lions. Sometimes you had a failure. Sometimes you really, I'm telling you, folks, when I tell you I've really messed up in my life, I sure have. And I tend to dwell on that thing. Maybe I dwell on the time I was hurt or betrayed, and I just can't shake it out of my head. Maybe I dwell on the time when I did the hurting, when I failed the people. Can't live on that. Can't live on that. You got to move on. You got to prune. You got to cut that. You got to cut that away. Treat it how it's supposed to be. Learn from it. What you may not know is the original Greek word for pruning was katairo. Katairo. It means. This is what it means. What it means like that guy says in the movie, to cleanse from filth and impurity. Holy moly. Man, I can tell you what. I've, if I hadn't have read this this week, I might have missed this the rest of my life. Wouldn't that be a shame? I could have gone the whole rest of my life not realizing what this means here, thinking, well, you could cut it away. Get rid of it. I'm a big fan with cancer. Cut it out. Just cut it on out of your body. I'm not a huge fan of chemotherapy, but... I say, if you can cut it out, just cut it out. Cut it out of your body. I remember somebody told me one time, they said, man, you cut the body open, you open your body up to cancer. Cancer goes wild as soon as you cut the body open. I don't know if that's true. You'd probably tell me. No, it's not true. We have it. Not anymore. Awesome. That's good news. Hope I don't ever find out for sure. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. My thought process is cut it out. If you've got cancer, cut it out. Get it off your body. 
You remember seeing Civil War? Uh, Civil War. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard, isn't it? Civil War. Dumb. It's an oxymoron, isn't it? But what did they do? They didn't have the medical situation we've got going now. A fella come in with a, a wound, cut it off. Just cut it off. That's what they did. Most of, Mostly it's just amputate. Terrible. It's just terrible. Just amputate. Cut it off. Let's get it out of here. Get it off your body. You've got to go. That, that part of your body is going to kill you. I remember not that long ago. I think Doyle helped me with it. But out by where our mailboxes are, there's a tree there. And uh, and somehow or another, that a branch had gotten broken, but it was still just kind of hanging there. And uh, I said, man, let's go out there and let's handle that. Let's take care of that. Because, boy, you don't... You don't clean that cut up a little bit, you're gonna, you, it, it'll die, it'll ruin it. Now, all of you have been to my home. I don't think there's anybody. I think uh, Miss Marsha, I don't think you've been to my home, but you're welcome any time. Come on, when we have when we have this at my house, you'd be welcome to come. I have a little tree out there, and what do I say every year? Since I moved in there, since I moved in there, I'm telling you right now, since I moved into that place, I have been nursing this tree, pruning this tree. I mean baby in this tree because that tree was in bad shape. When we moved in, my goodness, it was bad. Look, Every year. I don't think that tree's going to make it this year. I don't think that tree's going to make it this year every year. Some of my best photographs are of butterflies dancing on those flowers every every spring. And every year I go, oh, thank you, Lord. My goodness, I better prune it right. Better make sure I prune it right. Every year. But it doesn't mean that. It means here in this scripture, it means to cleanse from filth and impurity. Katahiro, Katahiro, cleanse from filth and impurity. Can you believe that? What in the world would I have done if I had gone on the whole rest of my life and not known the true meaning? In this scripture, you say, well, Dr. Sean, I know what prune means. Yeshua used that word, that specific word. Now, he used the Hebrew. Translated to Greek, best they could. Not everything means what you think it means. Pays to read again and again. People say, people tell me all the time, oh, I read the Bible, didn't do anything for me. I didn't find anything that I liked. Didn't change my life. I've been reading the Bible since five years old, and I can tell you it continues to change my life. Maybe one of these days I'll get it right for more than five minutes. So uh, it's a trans, another transliterated word, katairo. Katairo. It's fun to say, isn't it? To cleanse of filth and impurity it can also mean to prune trees and vines from useless shoots. It can also mean to cleanse you from guilt, to expiate from your soul. Come on. Man, aren't, I say it all the time. Little things don't mean a lot. They mean everything. Words are not just words. Here they mean everything. Get you a, a Bible and a commentary and read Read the cool stuff that's in there. My goodness, you can learn so much stuff, stuff you never thought you'd ever learn. This is interesting because many translations, uh, verse 15.3, they go right into, already you are clean by the word I've spoken to you. So I'm reading this all day yesterday. I'm, I'm sitting there in the chair, read, 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 read. I'm reading, read, read. And I prayed and prayed because in some translations, verse 15.6, things get a little little rough, man. I said, oh, oh, I'm in trouble zone now. I'm in trouble zone now. Things are going to get rough. The storm is coming. The hurricane is right around the corner. I'm about ready to get hit by the eye of the hurricane now. 
because here's what it here's how it reads words of the father if anyone does not abide in me then he is thrown away like a branch withers and gets gathered up and burned up youch and that's harsh i want to tell you something many pastors simply refuse to address this part of scripture they refuse they skip over it they preach on everything all around it I'd love to tell you if you just believe you believe in me, you're going to get everything you want. That's how they read it. It's not what it means, but that's what they read. And a lot of other pastors will Joe Lewis team it up. They'll make it mean something totally what it doesn't mean at all. It's just sell the books. So then I was praying for some understanding and discernment of this passage, and, and I reread the verse, and I noticed something very powerful. That, you know what? We're going to finish early today. One of these days I'm going to finish early. I reread it. I read the Bible once, didn't do anything for me. Read it again. Well, I read it again, didn't do anything for me. Read it again. Keep reading. Don't stop reading. Continually abide in my word. What? Continually read the word. Don't stop reading it. I haven't stopped. If anyone does not abide in me, that they get gathered and thrown away and burned up. Not if anyone does not continue to abide in me. It's saying somebody who never chose to abide in Yeshua. An unsaved person, an unsaved person, an unbeliever. Of course they're going to be gathered up. Hell is hot. It's that way for a reason. Of course they're going to be gathered up. They're an unbeliever. They have not believed. They rejected Hamashiach. They rejected Adonai Elohim. They rejected Hashem, God. Look, I'm equating abide with salvation, essentially. I'm saying that once you've committed your life, your soul, everything that you are to Christ, to Hamashiach, you are abiding. You said, I've heard the story, don't understand all of it, but I'll tell you this, I know enough to believe in whom I have believed, and I know that he is able. I believe that he came to earth sinless. I believe that he was born through a virgin. I believe that he lived 33 years years and i believe he was tortured and murdered for my sins on a cross he didn't deserve he was put in a borrowed grave and praise the father he was raised the third day i believe that don't know much else but i believe that just like on thief on the cross the one guy was hurling insults at him cussing the other guy says remember me when you come into your kingdom i don't think yeshua did that because his hands were nailed to a cross but i'm just going to say this even today, you'll be with me in paradise. Oh, praise God. Because I'd have no hope. I'm telling you right now, I'd have no hope. I'd have no hope. You'd see a hopeless man in front of you right now. But that's not my case. I'm saying that once you've committed yourself to Christ, you are abiding. You're abiding. I'm saying that the interpretation of takes away and prunes illustrates that Adonai Elohim has no interest in discarding a believer. You ever have, who in here has ever owned a business? So have you ever had an employee that was a great employee? I, I can tell you, I can attest to this. I've had this happen. Great employee. Man, oh, man, could he work. Did great work. He's conscientious. Then something happened in his life. Something happened. Maybe they married the wrong person. Maybe they, maybe they, maybe they got uh, messed up with, with some wrong people. Wrong friends. Maybe they took up a hobby now, makes them sleepy all the time. They can't 
focus and do the work. Maybe, who knows what? Who knows what? Maybe they started drinking. And that person for years has been an unbelievable employee. Boy, they've been great. They've helped you make money. They've helped you uh, do great service for people. They've, they've done well for themselves, and now all of a sudden, they're falling away. Well, that's it. You you did. I got all I could get out of you. You're done. You're out. First day, they were five minutes late. Fire them. Kick, kick them loose. I'm pruning you away. Bible says, prune you away. Or you wait till the next day and say, man, this is very uncommon. This fellow is never late. This fellow always has a good attitude. What's up? Let me see if it happens again. Happens again. Happens again. Happens on Tuesday. You say, all right, we're developing a trend here. Let's just give it one more day. See if Wednesday is the day. Then Wednesday it happens again. A little bit later. A little bit worse attitude. A little bit sloppier work. And you, you don't just cut them loose. They've been a good employee for years. You sit them down and say, hey, man, I've noticed some things. You all right? Let me clean your skin knees. Got a little dirt on your face. Let's talk about how you got to this place. Because you were here for a long time, and now you're here, and that's a low place. And how'd that happen? And what can I do for you? Not just because I'm your boss and I have this business. Surely I don't want to let you go. I don't want to discard you. I don't cast you away. I don't want to cast you away. You're important to me. You've been good for my family, been good to my family. I, I want you to continue on with my company. I want you to be a pivotal employee, a pivotal person in my company. Oh, nothing's wrong. I'm just tired. And Thursday, Friday, it goes on. There's only so much of it before you have to start taking action, right? You gotta, you gotta do some pruning. Doesn't mean you gotta cut them all the way away, but it means, hey, man, you're gonna have to get your stuff together. Can't keep performing like this. I love you, but you gotta do the right thing. You gotta suck it up somehow, Buttercup. You know, your slam dancing at nighttime is really messing you up for your daytime job. Whatever you got to do, you got to change. Because this is important stuff here. Here's the crazy thing. When we're in the hand of Adonai, he has no interest in discarding us. He wants to train us. Scripture promises, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. I want to remind you, do you remember those words on the cross? What did the Father say? Everyone says, it is finished. He didn't say, it is finished. I'm going to tell you what he said. What he actually said was, it is is complete. Oh, my God. Praise the Father. It is complete. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Once we accept Yeshua, we are abiding with him. And he is abiding with us. To to not abide would be to not have accepted Yeshua. To not abide is an active thing. You've got to choose. Listen, how many people have you talked to that rejected the Father? This is what you told them. Has anybody in here ever, and, and I guess all around, we've got some folks in chat, has anyone in here ever, um, you've, you've talked to some folks, you sat down with somebody, and you said, man, the Lord put a burden on my heart for this person. I don't know why. Maybe you know him real well. Maybe you didn't. But you. But after a while, you said, now's the right time. Father, give me the right time. Give me the boldness. Give me the right words to say. Give me the wrong. Shut my mouth when I'm fixing to say the wrong words. Then you sit down with that person. You say, hey, I've noticed you're going through some stuff. 
man, I know I'm not perfect, but boy, I got to tell you, I went through some stuff. And you know what? What blessed me more than anything ever in my whole life, best decision I ever made was to place my faith in Jesus. Jesus. And I talked and, and I asked some questions and, and I learned. Somebody told me what all about Jesus, how he loved me. How God loved me enough to send his son to die on the cross for me. He didn't I don't deserve that. But he did. But he didn't stay dead. He rose again. Third day, just like the Bible says. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. You ever see football game, John 3.16? That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know the whole story, but I know I know enough of that. And that's what I did. I placed my faith in him. And I said, I'm going to live my life for you. You think that might be something you might want to do? I'm not saying to make your life perfect. Whew. I'm not saying that because you know what? You start to follow Christ, man. Some stuff will get hard. It'll get hard and it'll get hot and it'll be difficult. It'll be challenging. But, oh, man, is it ever sweet. To have that relationship with God. My goodness, that's the best. I don't think there's anything better. Best decision I ever made. Take you a few minutes. You want to pray right now with me? You don't have to know fancy prayer words. I can help you. I mean, I've got experience. I've prayed this myself, and I've prayed it with lots of other people. I could pray it with you. And then the person says, you know what? I've heard you, Jesus people running around, talking your smack about how good God is. You know what? There was a hurricane killed 15 people just this past week. How can you tell me how good God is? Killed 15 people. I know I know a 16-year-old who has been chronically ill for years. I know, I know several people who are sweet, wonderful, amazing people who have had cancer multiple times. I lost my husband. I lost my friend. I, I lost my mother. I lost my father can't tell me anything about how good your God is. That's If that's how your God rolls, man, I don't want no part of it. A story is a hard story to tell to somebody unless you've been pruned in your life. You've never been through something. It's a hard story to sell. Telling everybody how, what is it, gumdrops and lollipops. You've lived a gumdrops and lollipops life and you tell them how good it is. What would you know? about struggle. I'm in the struggle rate. What would you know? No, I reject. I don't abide. I am not going to abide. That's an active decision. That's saying I'm not going to choose to follow Yeshua. I've chosen not to follow. You know the great hymn. Most people don't know about hymns nowadays. I have decided to follow Jesus. Oh, man, there's a lot of preaching can be done from that one beautiful hymn. I have decided to follow Jesus. Well, this person says, no, I've, I'm, I'm not following Jesus. I've decided not to follow. Whether he's real or not, I'm not, I don't care. I'm not following. I'm not following. Since God is actively doing everything he can do that you allow him, he's doing everything he can do to help the branch who isn't bearing fruit. That could be you. That could be me at any given time. He wants to help lift us up off the ground. Clean us up a little bit. It calls to mind Matthew 13.30. Most of you know it. In which the weeds and the wheat are permitted to grow together until the harvest. At which time the weeds will be tied into bundles and burn. goes this way. Let them both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers to collect the weeds first and tie them in bundles to be burned. 
but to gather the wheat into my barn. Wow. When I became saved, I became wheat instead of a weed. When I accepted Yeshua, when I placed my faith in Christ, I went from a weed to wheat, something worth something. I became a potential fruitful branch when I accepted Yeshua. I abide. When I abide with Yeshua, I go from this branch that could be burned and put in a pile and burned with the weeds. Doesn't matter. I go from that to being a fruitful branch when I abide. Unless and until I accept that I'm just a branch that that will never be fruitful on my own, on my own. That's why we do church groups. That's why we gather together in the Kehala. Some folks call it the Ecclesia, you know, but the Kehala, man, this is, we gather together to help each other, lift each other up. I'm one of those people. I believe in hospital visits. I really do. There's a lot of folks out there, pastors nowadays, they teach them in seminary, don't do hospital visits. You get that started, you'll never stop. I'm a fan. I've been in the hospital, laid up in the hospital in bad shape, and had a real pastor come in, a real men and women of God come in and take me by the hand and say, I'll never be fruitful on my own because I can't be. Not on my own. I can't be fruitful. Look, if I don't choose to receive Yeshua, I will not be able to be fruitful. Every day you make that choice. You make that choice. Do I deny or do I profess Christ? I have to realize that God won't help me by lifting me up or pruning me. I have to want to be pruned. So many of us, I know people in hospital bed right now don't want to help. They don't want help. They don't want to feed themselves. They don't want to help themselves. They don't want to help themselves. You know what happens to people like that? They die. I have to want to be pruned. I have to submit to pruning by the Master gardener, if you or I reject the pruning, I'm telling you right now, if you or I reject the pruning of the master gardener, you and I will wither and die. We will be gathered up in a bunch, and we will be burned up in hell. Hell is real. Hell is hot. Time for some pruning. If you're out in the radio audience right now and you've never placed your faith in Christ, I'm telling you, I am telling you, if you think you have nothing but time, you are wrong. I know of families that have uh, everything, you think they were the model family, everything went along perfect and well and beautiful until one day. Maybe they had beautiful children, beautiful marriage, beautiful kids, beautiful home, beautiful jobs, beautiful cars, beautiful everything. And then one day, something terrible happened. I know of a father who, uh, he, he took his personal responsibility to tell his kids about Jesus. And he said to his daughter first, she was the oldest, talked to her first, and said, you know, just talk to And she placed her faith in Christ. So they sat down, they talked just like I did when I was five. But he waited a while for his son. He said, you know, he's just not ready yet. He's not ready yet. So when he was 14 years old, he was skateboarding. Safe neighborhood, very safe people, you know. They, people pay attention. Everybody grew up in this neighborhood. Nobody wanted to move out. Everybody wanted to move in. They didn't want to move out. One day, a fellow was getting his trees trimmed with his big tree trimming truck. And this boy was riding a skateboard. He was even riding a skateboard on the sidewalk, not even in the road. And this tree trimming company was trimming a branch that they didn't realize was hanging over the sidewalk. Those fellows came to work one day. They didn't say, 
hey, today we're going to change a life forever. They didn't do that. They didn't come to work and say, I hope everybody that's around us has placed their faith in Christ. They didn't do that. But the fellow cutting the, the tree, using a loud saw, he's got hearing protection on, and as that saw went almost all the way through, it started to yield. The giant branch started to fall. And the story goes, he said, he screamed from his front two houses away. He screamed, no, but he couldn't be heard. The man who was cutting the branch glanced. You're never supposed to look away where you're cutting. He looked away toward the sidewalk, and he screamed, and he took his hand off of the throttle. But the branch fell, and it killed that man's 14-year-old child. He watched his kid die. And he said, man, first thing he said to me was, why didn't I tell him? Why didn't I ask him if he wanted to place his faith in Christ? Don't wait. There's pruning to be done, folks. Don't wait. Join us next time for Sundays with Dr. Sean. And please follow this show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio. And check out all the free messages, archive shows, and buy Dr. Sean's critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, at www.drshawngreener.com. Join us during the week. And in the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining us in this fight.